We're just going Lord, what a privilege it is to be part of your family, a worldwide church. And we're aware, Lord, that parts of our family are suffering and are persecuted for their faith. And today we just want to pray for them. We know how encouraging it is to them that they know that they're not forgotten. They are remembered. They are held in prayer. We think of Afghanistan this morning. Our friend Stacy, who's part of our fellowship here at Camden and part of the Bidford Church, our church plant, is in Afghanistan. And if you've been watching the news over the last few days, just the terrible things. Death toll rising day by day from that Taliban bomb. We want to pray for mercy on Afghanistan. We want to pray for the straining of evil in that land. And we thank you in the midst of that you have believers. We pray for Stacy and for those she works amongst that you keep them safe. We pray for all believers in Afghanistan that you would encourage their hearts, Lord. That you'd help them to withstand all the pressures they are under. Give them fresh courage today. May, the, know, may they know the hope to which you have called them. And we pray that you will build your church. Thank you that even in North Korea, your church is growing. In the midst of the most terrible persecution, your church is growing. We thank you, Lord, for your, the courage of your church there. And we pray, Lord, that you would do an amazing work there in North Korea that you would bring freedom to that country. We pray for Kim Jong-un and the leadership there that you would encounter them, that they would have an encounter with you that would bring them to their knees. We pray for your mercy upon all places where our brothers and sisters are persecuted. We pray for them, especially remember these countries where it's the hardest, Somalia, Pakistan and Sudan as well. Lord, we lift these countries to you and we lift our brothers and sisters who live there in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to continue this series, um, Dangerous Faith. And uh, this morning we're going to watch a brief video from Ron Boyd Macmillan a little bit later on. And he chooses the theme this morning from Acts chapter 1. And there at the beginning of Acts, Jesus gives the disciples an incredibly challenging task of taking the good news, the gospel, to the ends of the earth. And then he leaves them. But we're going to be reminded that that is not desertion, but design. And in Ron's video this week, he'll introduce us to an incredible woman of God who uh, is known to him as Auntie Mabel, who lived through decades of persecution in China and often felt that she was alone, that to her God was invisible, yet God used her in the most amazing way. 
So I want to read uh, two passages this morning. If you want to follow in your Bibles, the readings will be on the screen as well. The first one is from John's Gospel, chapter 16, reading from verse 4 to 15, and then from Acts chapter 1. So John 16, verse 4. I have told you this, so that when their their time comes, you will remember what I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will, re- the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And then from Acts chapter 1, 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Let's just pray together. We're so grateful that we have 
the Bible, Lord, in our hands, in our own language. We can read it for ourselves. And as we spend a few moments just looking at this theme this morning, we pray that you would speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just the background for that reading, it's AD 33, roughly. The place is Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus has appeared to the disciples and many of his followers over that period of time, alive after his death. Paul tells us that he appeared to 500 people at once. And now he ascends back to heaven. And we're told a cloud hid him from their eyes. Going back to John's um, passage that we read, very truly, Jesus says, John 16, verse 7, very truly. You know it's important when Jesus doesn't say truly. He says, very truly. This is really important. It's for your good that I'm going away. Imagine hearing that as a disciple for the very first time. Jesus saying, it's good that I'm going away. When I was a very young Christian, I used to have this thought, why did he have to leave? It would have been so much easier had he stayed. Easier for me. So much easier. Why didn't he just stay? He could have continued after the resurrection, that earthly ministry. He could have continued doing miracles and signs. He could have written a book. He could have gone on a lecture tour. I'm sure if I was one of the disciples in that John's passage, I would have said, don't go away. Stay. I want to introduce all my friends to you. It'll be much, so much easier if you don't go away. I know you're so holy, you've never thought of that kind of thing. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. How can it be good? We remember Jesus humbled himself. God who was there from the very beginning with the Father and the Holy Spirit, agent of creation, humbled himself, became a human being, a tiny baby born in Bethlehem, limited himself in space and time to come as the saviour of the world. In the three years of his public ministry, he never traveled more than 200 miles from his place of birth, from Bethlehem. If you read the Gospels, even the 12 disciples couldn't get as much time with him as they wanted. It's for your good that I'm going away, says Jesus. And he explains in John 16, because when he goes, he will send another just like him, the Holy Spirit. The advocate, the counselor, the comforter. Unless I go, he says, he cannot come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And he will be with you. And he will be in you. And the Holy Spirit will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year. Never absent, always there. You will have access to my presence at any moment. It is good that I'm going away because I can send the Holy Spirit to you. 
This is good news not just for the church. It's better news for the whole world, a lost and broken world. Because Jesus, by his Spirit, can send out the church into all the world. And billions of people will get to meet Jesus. Now, I said earlier, wouldn't it be great if we could introduce our friends to Jesus? You know you can. Because he reveals himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, by his Spirit, at work at all times and in all places without limitation. And there's no one in this world that he is not calling to himself. So in a way, we have to thank the Father that Jesus left us. Thank God that Jesus ascended. Yet it did feel so painful for the disciples to watch him ascend to heaven. It took two angels to get them back from looking up into the sky. Wait for the gift my father promised, Jesus says. And then it will all become clear. Don't attempt the mission until you've been clothed with power from on high. The Old Testament contains 8,000 promises of God. 8,000 promises. It's one for every three verses. Amazing. But Jesus says, wait for the promise of the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God at his closest to us. Because he will be with us and in us. This promise encapsulates all of them all, all those promises in the Old Testament. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus is preparing his rescue mission to be sent out into the world. His rescue team, the church, you and me, that's what we're part of. And within a few years, the good news will have reached Rome. That's the very center of the Roman Empire. And then we'll run to the ends of the earth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come, prove the world to be wrong in terms of sin and righteousness and judgment. That rescue team, loved by Jesus, sent into the world because then we get to do what Jesus did. We get the opportunity to the, do the impossible in his power. We also get to experience what Jesus experienced in terms of his suffering and persecution. And even in our struggles and failures and doubts, God can show his power. If we take time to think about it, we have seen amazing things just in our own generation. Things that God has done. One example that the video will touch on is the amazing work God has done in China. The survival and growth of the church are two of the decisive events of our generation. Back in 1975, there are estimated 2.5 million Christians in China. It's quite a lot, isn't it? 2.5 million. 
million Christians in China in 1975. Today, there is estimated between 85 and 100 million believers in Jesus in China. It is the greatest revival the world has ever seen. At any time. From 2.5 million to nearly 100 million believers in China. And they are the greatest missionary movement the world has ever seen up to now. God is doing an incredible thing in our lifetime. That's in our lifetime. And it's all happened under what may have been the harshest and the most widespread persecution of the church in history. Go back to 1975 and what would have been on the world watch list in those days? China. I couldn't believe it when when our team came out of North Korea and we were relieved to arrive in China. Because when I first became a Christian, that was the place that was the most dangerous. It still is. It's on the world watch list. But the church of Jesus Christ is growing. And at some point, there is going to be a tipping point in China. Imagine a hundred million Christians. God is doing incredible things. And suffering and persecution refined the church and shaped it to withstand all the attempts to destroy it. Jesus said, it's for, our, for your good that I go away. And a cloud hid him from their sight. We're grateful that we don't have that persecution here. We're grateful for the freedom that we have. But as a church, we need revival, don't we, in the British Isles? Because we have become so timid and so afraid. And sometimes I wonder whether actually we need persecution to wake us up as a church. Throughout Western Europe as well. And in a way, we are persecuted, but it's different. It's not in the smash persecution. It's in the subtleties of undermining and division and all those things of distraction. Keeping the church silent. It's for your good that I go away, says Jesus. We're going to hear this amazing story of Auntie Mabel as Ron tells it to us in the video. The book of Acts has a very bizarre beginning. Jesus disappears into thin air. And you think, well, what kind of a good idea can it be when Jesus gives the disciples their greatest task, which is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and then disappear into thin air? No wonder they kept on looking up at the sky, because they were alone with a world to win. And they might have felt a little deserted. And yet it's not desertion, it's design. It's Jesus' way of saying, now you go out and do the impossible things I did. I saw this at work through a Christian lady in China I once met. We called her Auntie Mabel, she was a doctor in Beijing, very well known for her bright Christian witness. 
But when the communists came to power in 1949, everything changed for her. She was evicted from her large house and she was forced to live in her garden shed. And because she was well known as a Christian, she was targeted. She was stripped of her doctor's post and she shoveled sand in a work gang. That's what they asked her to do. And then when the Cultural Revolution got going, the teenagers, the Red Guards, were given power over her and they came to her, they beat her up, they paraded her in the streets and they put this large sign outside her house saying no one must speak to her because she has distributed Bibles. And that's not allowed in the new China, that's anti-Mao. And so she was shunned, no one would talk to her. And this was harder for her than being beaten and being put into jail. She said, I descended into hell. And she said, one night I came back, I went into my little kitchen and she said, I've had enough. I'm an old lady, I've had a good life. God won't mind me coming to heaven early. So she took a large knife and she held it over her wrist and she said one last prayer before she brought it down. She said, Lord, if this is wrong, help me. Well, she never brought the knife down. She put it away, she burst into tears and she endured another eight years of beatings and isolation and, and victimization. She said, no angel appeared and whipped the knife out of my hand. She said, somehow God gave me the strength to go on, but I never knew how. And she said, all the time, I was always asking Jesus to make an appearance to me, come to me, put your arms around me. Why must you be so invisible? She cried. And many years later, she knew why. Because in the late 70s, after Mao had died, China began to put the excesses of the Cultural Revolution behind it and the Red Guards were disbanded. But Mabel wasn't restored to her house. But even in her little garden shed, she began to receive a stream of visitors. And many of these visitors were very high-ranking members of the Communist Party. She recognised their faces from the newspaper. And even more astonishingly, they all had one question. Do you have any Bibles? And she was saying, oh, why are you coming to me out of all the people in Beijing? Why'd you come to my house? And they would say, well, we remember during the Cultural Revolution, there was a large sign outside your house that contained all your crimes. And one of them said that you were guilty of distributing Bibles. I'm just here on the off chance that you might have some left. And so that sign that caused her such misery launched her ministry. It had kept people away from her during the Cultural Revolution, but after she had endured, it drew them. And Mabel was able to contact Open Doors, we smuggled Bibles to her, and she became the first distributor of scriptures in China's capital again. She was a vital supplier. And even today, there are high-ranking members of the Communist Party who owe their faith to her endurance. And she said, well, it's been nice to know why. It helps my faith. But she said, it was hard. Every day was hard. And she said, I never seem to get that prayer answered of, Lord, please appear for me. But she said, 
I see that this was for the best because she said, if Jesus had come to me, I wouldn't have done the impossible. He would have overshadowed me. He would have controlled me. But in not being there, he was giving me the space to do the impossible through his power. That's not desertion, she said. It's generosity. You will receive power, he said, after I'm gone up to heaven. That's what he said to the disciples. So the cloud that hides him from our sight is not a disaster, it's design. Sure, the disciples must have felt bereft, but Jesus is really saying, I'll send the Spirit and we will do all these things together through each of you in a new and beautiful way. So we get invited to be his partners or the theologians say co-creators. He wants us to do what he did to an even greater degree. Jesus ascends to give us the space to do the impossible for him and through him. Now that means space to fail, space to struggle, space to be unsure. And the characters in the book of Acts, they had their doubts and their disagreements and their struggles. And if Jesus had stayed, there would have been none of that. When they have to decide in Acts 15 in the council, should the Gentiles become Christians or not, or be allowed to become Christians or not, Jesus would just have appeared and told them what to do, but he didn't. He let them struggle, he let them figure it out. Or when Paul was having his disagreement about who to take on a trip with him, and Barnabas and he actually had such a violent disagreement, they went their separate ways. Jesus would have sorted that out if he'd stayed behind. He would just have said, Paul, take so-and-so. Barnabas, you, you, you just deal with it. And yet that didn't happen. They got the power to decide. They got the power to, in a sense, create the will of God and live out the gospel in a much more intimate way. So even our failures, even our difficulties, even our struggles become the means in which God spreads the gospel through us, just like Mabel. That horrible sign outside her house, it was a mark of humiliation. But actually, because she endured in the power of Christ, it was the means of her wonderful ministry. And that's a lady who did that marvelous job for, for Christ in her 80s. So we're never too old to do a remarkable work for Christ. When Mabel looked back over her life, she can say, I did that. I endured with Christ's help and brought Bibles to Beijing. Mabel thought that terrible notice board was the end of her, and it was in a sense, but only so that God could make another beginning through her. And a cloud still hides Jesus from our eyes for all of us, so that we get the same opportunity to do the impossible in his power. It's a risk, what a plan, but what an opportunity. Good old Auntie Mabel, hey, what a woman. Jesus hasn't deserted us. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. 
If we want an easy, comfortable, victorious life, I wouldn't encourage us to be followers of Jesus because that's not what he promised. But each one of us can be used by God where we are for his glory. Just one other encouraging story from China that I read this week. Another auntie, Auntie Alice, was the wife of Pastor Alan Yuan. She was known for her gracious hospitality. That was her gift. She just opened her home up to anybody. Her husband was imprisoned for 21 years for being a pastor. Alice had five children and a mother-in-law to care for and many who had just come to her house for hospitality. She was branded a counter-revolutionary. She was given a, a job doing hard labor, every day moving mountains of rubble. One night she recalls how she completely run out of rice to feed her own children, let alone the visitors that came to her door. She was angry with God. That night she opened her Bible to Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says, if God cares this much more for the birds, how much more will he care for you? She went to bed pondering that verse. Six o'clock the next morning there was a knock on the door. Alice shuffled to the door. There stood a stranger with a box in her hands. The stranger put the box down and left. Alice said, what, what? What's your name? The stranger replied, I have no name, and just left. Alice opened the box. There were rice, vegetables, and meat, and more than two months' salary. God does amazing things. Do you know he can use you and me to do amazing things? Paul writes to the believers in Rome, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for the witness of Auntie Mabel. Thank you for her courage to endure in those difficult times. And we understand her cry that sometimes she felt abandoned by you, left by you, yet in the most incredible of ways you used her. We thank you for your church in China today and we pray your blessing upon your church that will grow and grow and grow. And we pray for ourselves, Lord, that you'd give us fresh courage to live for you where you've placed us. And whether it's tough at the moment or we're going through difficulties or doubts or fears or we're burdened, we know that you are with us because you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. And so we ask for a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit this morning that you would enable us wherever you place us to be there for you to be salt and light that a lost and broken world may have a glimmer of who you are a glimpse of who you are may we be able to point in the right direction towards you we ask these things in Jesus name Amen I'm going to ask Phil and the band wherever you are Come back, we'll sing a final song as we close.